Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Rick Uccino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. What is going on, everybody? Welcome in to another Tuesday edition of the Believe in Pro Wrestling podcast. And my Lord, we got a lot to catch up on from the last time we talked to everybody, which was Tuesday for our SummerSlam prediction show. I feel like we did pretty good. Typically, I swing and miss on a lot of things, but I felt like this pay-per-view had... uh, It was pretty predictable, but still, overall, I enjoyed the experience of being there. I'd love to know the difference between uh, watching it back in person or watching it live on television as you did SP3 as being there in person. I got a lot of text messages. I got a lot of text messages on Saturday night asking me if that crowd was as dead as they sounded on television. No, they were not. And I can tell you the difference. They were tired. After Finn Balor and, and Seth Rollins, that's when I got a majority of those text messages. That audience was invested, all 59,000 or however many it was, in actuality, because we know WWE inflates those numbers. But they were invested, but they were spent. It wasn't like they were sitting on their hands, watching, playing with their phones, or doing this and that and the other. They were living and breathing with the moment, and give the Detroit crowd some credit. Even into the early morning hours, SP3, they got up for the biggest moments, especially EOS guys cash in. We'll talk about that. We will talk about uh, Jimmy Uso and his turn on Jay Uso, which is a result that a lot of people saw coming, but very few actually wanted. And SB3, we're going we're gonna to examine some evidence that we've seen. This is something that I didn't really think of off the top of my head, but I saw purists talking about it online, and I'm starting to go, Oh, okay, this is starting to make a lot of sense, and I'm going to ask you for your opinion on it. Uh, how you doing? It's been a minute since uh, we've had a chance to, to catch up. Are you, you caught up from all the big wrestling action this weekend and SummerSlam and all that good stuff? Yes, I've been trying to catch up on sleep from all the, the wrestling and the Saturday night where I watched SummerSlam, then AEW Collision, then the G1 climax until like 4 a.m. in the morning. So, yeah, it, it, it was a long weekend, so still trying to cap, catch up. I was not able to watch the G1 live uh, this morning, so I got to catch up on that. But, uh, yeah, closing down on that SummerSlam weekend, a lot of big stuff that happened, a lot of big news coming out of it, yeah. which, of course, we're going to discuss on this show. And- as much as we can. There's only so much we can jam-pack into this 45-minute, sometimes 60-minute podcast. Overall, my my viewpoint of SummerSlam is that it was a good show, but it was a show that was marred by booking decisions that were puzzling, to say the least, okay. and disappointing. Okay to say the honest truth. Okay. We can talk about that. We can definitely dive into all of that. I uh, do appreciate everybody who checked out my conversation uh, with Shayna Baszler ahead of her uh, MMA rules match against Ronda Rousey, in which she defeated Ronda Rousey. We all knew that was coming. Um, hmm. I don't have this on the rundown, SP3, but just real quick, like watching that back, because I haven't had a chance to watch back the show yet. What was it like watching the MMA rules match on television? Oh, it was like Detroit did not give a a hell about that matchup, even though I thought the matchup was pretty well done. I thought it was it was stiff. It was hard hitting, but they tried to do a WWE style MMA rules match. You either have to do an MMA rules match or or you do a WWE submission match like there's no in between in trying to do a WWE MMA rules match in front of a crowd that just didn't give a damn about either one of them or the matchup itself. They messed up there. And that was one of those booking decisions that I think was really flawed. And why when we did our true, our SummerSlam review over on True Hill Heat, Romeo, well-known apologist of Paul Levesque, <laughs> gave Triple H the LVP because he felt like his decisions were the only thing holding the show back from being uh, one of the best of the year. When I felt like, honestly, 
take Night of Champions. I'll take Backlash. I'll take Money in the Bank over this show. Yeah, um, it, it was pretty clear that that match did not translate well to a live audience there. And I do believe the biggest reason why it suffered is because of a lack of, of an emotional investment in either talent, right? Like they're just... People hate Ronda Rousey, but that but the hatred of Ronda Rousey was not enough to get that Detroit crowd to cheer Shayna Baszler. And I don't know if you heard him on television or not, but there were a, a decent amount of fans who started chanting. This is boring, like three minutes into the match. I, I Yeah, that that's that's the match that has nothing yeah. to do with their lack of investment in that, because I give you an example. Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley money in the bank. Twenty twenty one. That crowd gave a damn about either one of them going into that matchup because they did not know who they were supposed to cheer. It's very yeah. similar to the Detroit crowd with the Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler matchup. But they had the style of matchup that exceeded their expectations, that got the crowd turned around. Yes. You try to do a WWE-style MMA rules match, and you have a referee checking someone after they get kicked in the head. It's like, it's either a referee stoppage or you don't check them. Like, what are we yeah. doing? Doctors can't come in and check Shayna Baszler, and that's not the finish. That's the finish, because doctors are in there checking on somebody. Like, you have to know how MMA MMA rules work, and that's why Fightful reported that Ronda Rousey no, and Wrestling Observer as well reported that Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler had differences with creative with WWE on this matchup because they understand what MMA rules is, yep. and WWE has a completely different viewpoint of it. Yeah, that's what I was worried of when Shayna Baszler is doing her media rounds during the press junket, and I heard everybody else asking her about it, which is why I did not. Um, she was a day ahead of the event. They had no idea what MMA rules meant in a WWE ring. So I think that match, because I feel like we're going to get more MMA integration as the Endeavor deal becomes finalized. I feel like that's just inevitable and it's going to happen. I feel like a clear sense of what the rules are ahead of time and letting the audience know what those rules are would benefit. And that match desperately needed a cage. Like I think doing an MMA style match in just a ring, it, it really needed that extra uh, sense of you know, placement. It needed that cage. It needed to be inside the fight pit or some kind of an octagon or even just a regular WWE cage. And I think that would have, uh, that would have helped out a lot. We appreciate everybody who is uh, in the chat right now. Um, Throwing out uh, all your comments. We'll get to as many of them as we can throughout the show. Go ahead. Give us a thumbs up on this video, by the way. If you're new to the show, you like it, uh, hit that subscribe button as well as we continue our climb uh, toward 1,000 subscribers. Thank you guys so much for the support as always. First things first, got to thank our friends over at Bet Online. Number one for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting, your favorite casino and card games, they're all available right there, fast and easy from your smartphone. Just a little click of the fingertips and you're good to go. Or you can head to the website as well. Sign up, get in on the action. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that is B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And SP3, look, I, I will agree with you on uh, a lot of factors with this show. I thought Every single one of the performers went out there and did the best of their abilities. I do not think that there was a necessarily a bad match on this card. Even Shayna and, and Ronda, I thought they went out there. I thought they killed it. Like, and I'm not even an MMA person. Like, look at look at how Shayna looked last night. I mean, that match was stiff. It was it was personal. It was the kind of performance that they needed to put on. Again, it just didn't translate uh to the live crowd. And they they, they look, there was a reason that match ended up being the shortest uh on the entire card. I enjoyed the main event as well, even though I thought at that point it's starting to drag on a little bit because we were getting closer and closer to midnight, which kind of crumbles any argument that I made last week uh, about inserting more matches onto this card, which don't worry, we will get to that. I'm a man who can admit when he is wrong, and last week I was dead wrong. But let's start with something that happened early on in that main event, SP3. News starting to trickle out here uh, in the last few hours. Roman Reigns suffered an injury during the early parts of that matchup, and I believe uh, it was your boy Romeo who put on Twitter where he believes that it happened. Jimmy diving out to Roman on the outside, landed on his back, and it, it looked like you know some kind of a core body issue uh, happened there. You could see Roman talking with Jay. You could see Roman talking with the officials. So um, nothing official on if that was the injury or what the injury is or how severe it is. But just the fact that now Roman Reigns is dealing with an injury 
not necessarily the worst thing if it's minor. Like, let's be honest, he's not going to defend that title probably again anytime soon. So you can you can play it safe with Roman Reigns. Um, but let's just hope it's not something severe. But you hear the fact that Roman Reigns is injured. That that does give you a little bit of pause. And then also SP3, the way the match ended with Jimmy Uso coming out and costing Jay Uso, that was a much more controversial decision than I anticipated it being because everybody kind of expected it to happen, but nobody really wanted it to happen. At least that's what I noticed on Twitter here at three, your overall thoughts on Reigns' injury. And then what this next twist and chapter of the bloodline is going to mean with, with Jimmy and Jay now on opposite sides of the spectrum here. I, I, I mean, uh, I feel like I say this a lot on this show, but um, I think I told you so again on that. Like when when we, when I think you were the one that proposed that uh, during our preview last week when you said uh, Jimmy could come out and turn on Jay. I was like, that wouldn't make any sense. And I think that's been the overall kind of response to it uh, from a from a vocal, maybe minority, maybe majority of fans. But it's been very kind of, a uh, polarizing decision to say the mm-hmm. least. Yeah. Now, of course, the reasoning is pr- probably predictable or obvious to some people of Jimmy being jealous of Jay and everything that Jay talked about in that promo when he finally chose Jimmy over over the bloodline and wanted to keep Jay behind him, wanted to be the superior twin or or Paul Heyman came to his hospital and has been planting the seed and being the instigator. But I'm sorry, all that stuff that's very obvious and predictable doesn't sound very interesting or entertaining. And there is a reason why there are some people, and I saw a lot of YouTube videos, especially when I did the SummerSlam review the day after, with videos saying, has the bloodline jumped the shark? I won't say that much, but I say they're much closer to that line than they were before, because this is a decision that, Yes, you don't need every heel turn to be foreshadowed and to have no. the seeds sowed. But you need something, something to be an instigating factor, an instigating moment, an instigating incident that directs us one way or the other. There was nothing here. All that was was the attack on Jimmy. You're telling me Solo and Roman attack Jimmy and he's mad at Jay and helps Roman beat Jay. And they're promoting on SmackDown this week that Jimmy's going to acknowledge Roman as the tribal chief. Like, it's just like, no, no, this goes against the whole story that we've been telling for the past year of yeah. Jay always chooses Jimmy. Jimmy always chooses Jay. Like, we need we needed something to to lead to this. And I, I, I gave you the option, the perfect option of the accidental super kick and then Heyman instigates some more leading to a one-on-one match. No. And then that one-on-one match is what leads to Jimmy eventually turning heel. There's a way to draw it out more and not need the big swerve, bro. And I say swerve, bro, because this felt like it was out of the Vince Russo playbook. Now, as far as the Roman injury, with Roman, they have benefited themselves this luxury of he does not have to defend the title for three to four to five months at a time. So we don't know yet how serious the injury is. All we do know is that they have nothing to worry about because most of their plans was for Roman to not be on payback. Not be on fast lane that gives them time, gives them time to adjust, gives them time to tell this story with this big turn and them having, you know, a job ahead of them explaining all of this and making this the focal point of your top storyline and making it just as important as when Roman is around to avoid what happened after WrestleMania ahead of backlash. They they have a job ahead of them, so they got to focus on that now and make that important, yeah. especially with Roman not around for a while. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, Stephen Chambers, you know, in the chat, guessing Roman is not wrestling at Payback and Fastlane uh, to heal up for Survivor Series. And yeah, that's one of the things that we're we're going to talk about uh, coming up is is not only like 
when we get to the fast count, not only is who Roman Reigns' next opponent could be, but honestly, when is it going to be? Because let's just say he does have an injury that could keep him out for three months. Again, not a big deal. Wasn't advertised for fast lane. Wasn't advertised for payback. You got, I think they're going to do a Saudi Arabia pay-per-view probably sometime somewhere in October, November. I believe it's on the schedule, even though it hasn't been announced. So maybe he wrestles on there. Maybe not if he's healthy. And then Survivor Series rolls around. And guess what? You can put him in a multi-man match and save him if, he, if, if he's not even 100% by that point. So the man could keep working television. I Somebody put on... Twitter today, maybe it was Wrestle Features, which is somebody that I, I, I get along with. And they're like, if Roman is hurt, should he relinquish the title? Not unless he's going to be out for a year. Like if he if he tore something and he needs surgery and he's going to be out for six months to a year. Yeah, then you relinquish the championship. Right. But at this point, they got so many just get out of jail free cards with Roman that if it's a minor injury or even a moderate injury, it doesn't affect the championship. run. It doesn't affect literally anything uh, with Roman Reigns at this point, because the focal point coming out of SummerSlam, especially with this finish was always going to be on Jay and Jimmy and probably after payback, Jay, Jimmy and solo in some kind of a triple man match or we, you know, just continuing the bloodline civil war. And I think so much is going to hinder on what Jimmy has to say this Friday or yeah, this Friday on SmackDown and SB three, you're right. It needs to make sense because right now this does not make sense. And as far as the, has it jumped the shark? It, I feel like we felt this way a couple of times now in the story, and WWE has found a way to 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 pull us back in, right? Nah, I wouldn't say that. I I felt like this before. I felt like it was boring after WrestleMania, but that's different from them making a wrong decision. This sure. is what feels like the the first wrong decision in a while for the Bloodline. Yeah, look. Did Roman Reigns need like, and I, and I, let me, let me preface this by saying Roman Reigns didn't need help to beat Jey Uso. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, did we need to have Roman Reigns get help to win this match? No, we, yes. we did not. He, he yes, could we did. have. Did yes, we, we really? did because yeah, because it protects Jay. You have to you have to realize that you have a potential star that you can move forward with. You have a baby face that you have built sympathy for. So no matter what, Jay had to Jay had to win and you had to protect I mean Jay had to basically be protected in this loss. So he had to get help. I gave you a thousand I gave you one perfect way to do it. I gave you another way to do it on True I was coming up with different ways as the week was going on. That wasn't this. That wasn't this. Please not this. And they gave me this. And I literally sat there after SummerSlam just perplexed. Mainly because I had realized after SummerSlam, I had spent an hour since the video graphic went up for yeah. Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso all the way to the end of the damn show. And I was just like, yo, this that match was like 30-something minutes long. And then I found out it was 36 minutes long. I was like... How did it? How did they they fill an hour with that? Like it was. I saw commercials. I saw a video package. Oh man, their pacing the of entrances. these shows. Yeah, look, pacing of these shows is awful, and the pacing of this match where this felt like, and I think I was pretty high on the on the review of my rating, and then I watched it back again one more time to just see if I'm right with my rating, and I actually went lower because I was just like. That match was way too long, way too long. And we now know that a lot of that was, if you remember, Jay filling time, uh, taking out tables, playing yep. to the crowd, yep. playing to Paul Heyman because Roman was injured. Yeah, I'm sure that played a major role uh, in, in the quality of the match. Um, yeah, it drug on for me, too. But again, it's because I look, I'm from thursday to sunday i got nine hours sleep total right so like i was already dog ass tired and that match started and i'm like if this is slated to get 30 minutes this is, this show is going past midnight which i did not think for a minute sp3 never did it cross my mind that i would think that an eight match card would go very much past 11 at all let alone into sunday morning 
I told you, Rick. I I tried. To, why why don't you listen to me? Like we've been doing. Like, we need to have a serious conversation on air. I I'm not trying to tell you these things because I have watched this company for the better part of my life. For but, the for eighty five percent of my recently, life. Recently, SP3. These shows they have did been it at Royal right Rumble. They did it at Royal Rumble. The only big four pay per view. They didn't do it on this WrestleMania because they split it to two nights. That's why. That's why. Royal Rumble and SummerSlam went past midnight. Royal Rumble had five matches, Rick. Maybe it didn't feel like that because I was in a different time zone. Like maybe that threw me off. I don't know why I didn't remember because I remember looking at my clock going, oh, it's pretty early. Yeah, maybe that had something to do with it and why I misremember. Also, remember, my memory is shit on toast, but I did not expect this this pay-per-view to go much past 11. I thought they were looking at a hard out at 11 o'clock, which means I owe some people some apologies, right? SP3 because myself and a lot of people, not just Becky Lynch fans, but fans of women's wrestling, period, were really pissed off last week, SP3, that Becky and Trish, they weren't cut, right? No announcement, so they weren't cut, but we all know that that match was moved off of SummerSlam, right? So I don't care what Triple H says in his post-press conference. That That's an out. That That's an out. You knew you were going to be putting that match on the SummerSlam, but that's still an out. And especially with Becky Lynch's response on Raw, so... Uh... Yeah, so... <laughs> They knew they were going to be moving. They knew that they moved that match. They didn't book Rhea Ripley. A lot of people were mad, and the reported reasoning was because for time restraints, and I thought that was such bullshit. I said, look, it's the biggest party of the year. Stack the card, I believe, was the, the verbiage that I used, and who cares if this show goes to 1125, 1130, 1145. There was not, there was not, SP3, room for two more matches on that card. The way that Triple everything out and i don't even i'm not even mad at how the show was paced i thought i thought he to his credit let everything breathe he gave enough time nothing ever felt rushed you could argue maybe a few things had a little too much to it the main event in particular because look you can argue it should not have gone an hour from video I mean, packages I mean, to the closing shenanigans but now if, we, if we're going to be all the way critical or i'm not going to half step it this was not a well-booked show I don't think it was very well paced. I don't think it was very well match placement wise because literally you had Cody beat Brock yeah. in the second matchup. Yeah, happy very weird moment. spot. Ha very happy. No, no, no. I'm not even talking about that. I'm just saying happy moment. You had LA Knight win the Battle Royal. Happy mm -hmm. moment. Now, let's let's take a look at the next couple of matches. Gunther the Heel wins the uh, defends the retains the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, Seth Seth Rollins, which he is the babyface, but Judgment Day is a hotter act. That was kind of a downer of a of a of a result because it was the least interesting out of all the results they could have gave us in that in that regard. And I think that when you you were right on the nose when you said earlier that that crowd went down after that, and I think it's because they gave us the least interesting. It was just like they made Finn uh, look like such a dope. And yes, they yes, made I was Finn like, look like pick such up a, a briefcase. He can't even pick up a briefcase. Not only that, but like. Trust your boy is out there. He just cold cocked fucking freaking Seth Rollins right in the face. Like he's there to help you. Like, like commentary tried to explain that. Oh, he doesn't know if he's trying to catch him. Fine and dandy. My dude, he can't pick up a briefcase. You can't, you put your head, you went head first to pick up a briefcase with your hands. Yeah. Finn Balor is unanimously the LVP of the show because they made him look like a goof. He had three other people and a briefcase and couldn't beat Seth still. And there were still trust issues with it with him and Damien. Again, I haven't seen the commentary, right? But like you could tell from my vantage point, which was let's say it was bird nest. Okay, bird nest vantage point from the press box in Detroit, right? Like it looked like the story they were telling was once again, Finn did not trust Damian Priest and they were, he was pausing. He was looking at him and Damian's look at, at Finn at the end of that match told the story perfectly. He looked at him like motherfucker. Really? Like, 
what are you doing? You dumb ass. Like he looked at him like you dumb. I should punch you in the face right now just for being as stupid as you were not to take advantage of the help that we offered you, your boys. They made Finn look like such a dope, which is a shame because until that moment, that match was fire. That match was off the chain and they sold me down the river with both of those near falls at the end. I thought when I thought, Seth had it once he hit the stomp, and then I definitely thought Finn had it after the crack across the face, and he finally hits the coup de grace. I'm literally in the press box. It, it, it didn't matter, right? We're allowed to have a little bit more fun and in a WWE press box than you are typically. Like, I can't, I can't scream for shit when I'm in the Bengals press box, right? Like, but um, we're allowed to have a little bit more fun. That the roof is blowing off the joint as they're counting with Finn, and I'm literally screaming. Don't you kick out, Seth. Like, I am screaming that at the top of my lungs from the press box. You could not hear me. I don't think Bill Pritchard, who was next to me, heard me say that. And then when Seth kicked out, I'm like, you, the, the, my gut, my heart just sank down into my gut because I knew Finn was not going to get another opportunity. Seth was going to find a way to win that, and then they booked that finish, and it was just like, damn it. Damn it. They made Finn look like a, a goof again. But again, I, I will again. So patient issues, debatable SP3. But you look at the, all the matches that are on the card. You take everything into account here. Eight matches was enough. Nine if you count the cash in, but that lasted all of about eight seconds, right? Bell to bell anyway. In hindsight, did Triple H make the right decision by leaving Becky Trish and Rhea off the SummerSlam card? Or should he have put them in over another match that we say what like any of these Rhea's match or Becky and Trisha's match should they have been on the card and somebody else have been delayed to another time giving everything that we know now in hindsight did Triple H get it right no there's always a way I'm sorry like I I know people are like well look it went past midnight like they're in control of that like you're you're acting like this is out of their oh you know it's out of their hand you know you know they, these guys these guys had a competitive contest no no it's not real <laughs> they control everything they control how long the matches are they control all the commercials and the ads that they put in yeah, and they, I know they, it's all about the money and that's the bottom line and I'm not gonna say you take off the battle royal because I know the battle royal is a huge revenue generator mm -hmm. but. There is a way to cut down on the amount of dead time where I don't need to watch my TV screen in between WWE uh, pay-per-views. There's just so much time where I don't even watch the screen and that it was very easy for me to watch AEW Collision at the same time as SummerSlam because there was so much dead time between matches and I was able to watch whole matches on Collision and promos before another match started. That's ridiculous. Like, there is a way to cut down on that and sure. give me a Becky Trish matchup to cut on that, cut out, cut down on that, and give me Rhea Ripley on the card. And other than, uh, uh you know, an appearance, just a run in, yeah, that you know, that's cheap. She's one of the biggest stars in the company. Dominic Mysterio is one of your biggest heels. You could have given me a mixed tag, me tag team match with them. Why don't you do kickoff show matches? Yeah. I know it's I know it's a thinking of, oh, we don't want the empty seats seen on screen. Well, you did it for NXT. You should do it with the main roster. Do it anyway. Do By it anyway and get was... more people on, in, on the card. By 745, there was barely an empty seat in the house. So you could the battle royal, which lasted what 11, 12 minutes, you could have fit it on the end of the of the pre-show. You could have done that. Now, maybe Slim Jim was like, hey, if we're shelling all this money, we want it on the main card, which again, I understand. So, and I I wrote, look, an entire Monday morning gorilla position article about this on Cage Side Seats. And I tried to, you know, look at it from every aspect. And I even apologized to Triple H for a second because SP3, I know for a fact. They're not going to cut down ever on the superfluous bullshit. So I didn't even think of that as an option. That's just how they operate their shows. It's all for television, for spectacle. They want to play those video packages. They want to build things up. They build the suspense. I get the reason why they do all that. Given everything that we know about this card, the way that it shook out, the pacing and everything, which again, watching it there live in person, I didn't have a big problem with other than the fact that I was exhausted by the end, but that's more me than anything. I think they did make the right call and choosing the matches that they did. Because again, Logan Paul and Ricochet, you ain't pulling that. 
No way. And and Ricochet deserved that moment, and he shined, and he got a major pop from the 60,000-plus people that were there in attendance, and I was damn happy for him, right? You're not pulling that match because Logan Paul brings eyes to the product. You're not pulling the big money check that Slim Jim pull out, put out. Plus, that's L.A. Knight's big moment, and we'll talk about L.A. Knight coming up here in a little bit, but that's his big moment. You're not pulling that. You're not pulling any of your three major title matches, and then it comes down to triple uh, Drew McIntyre and Gunther. Shayna and Ronda, I understand as somebody for two years who screamed that the Intercontinental Championship needed big matches on the biggest pay-per-views, I cannot justify pulling Gunther and Drew McIntyre from this show. And then it comes down to Shayna and Ronda, which got seven and a half minutes. Y'all Becky Lynch fans out there know you would have been just as mad if Becky and Trish got seven minutes on this show as you were if they were not on it at all. And I think they're going to get a much bigger spotlight next week so given everything that we know that they're not going to trim down the superfluous bullshit that they're not going to cut the celebrity match and the sponsorship match for damn good reasons because they're a business and they're all about ratings and revenue yeah on in hindsight if they're not going to trim down the fat yeah because again it's not like anything felt rushed on this show he did stack the card he tried to put as much action as he could into it and it ran past midnight like, I didn't get back to my Airbnb until 3 o'clock in the damn morning. <laughs> that show was plenty long. And I hate to admit when I'm wrong, but I was wrong in this instance. And now it was absolutely hilarious, though, to watch Becky Lynch and Triple H go back and forth. And now all of a sudden, man, I'm sitting here and I'm going, this is fun. And the lemonade stuff is, is hilarious. And Becky Lynch being petty enough last night on Monday Night Raw to do the Triple H water spot with the lemonade while she's down there on commentary and she's toasting and doing all this stuff. It's fun, though. I love it. I love the pettiness. She's an absolute menace when she wants to be. They're teasing Becky and Shayna Baszler. I don't think there's any, like, real heat between Triple H and Becky Lynch on this thing. I think cooler heads are going to prevail. And look. Triple H, she ain't sneaking an entire pitcher of lemonade down to Gorilla, down to the commentary table and getting that shit past, past Triple H. That ain't happening. He knew what was going on. Maybe he didn't know she was going to be doing the lemonade spot. But I think cooler heads are going to prevail on this. I think Becky and Trish are going to be great this uh, next week, and I'm looking forward to what they continue to do there. Um, but, yeah, initially, I was mad. I was mad, SB3. I, I still don't like it, but I can I can understand it. Um, at this point now sp3 reading a lot of people saying monday night raw felt different this week felt different i enjoyed the show a lot last night right um a lot of good moments some new people stepping up some people we haven't seen in a while sp3 all of a sudden jd mcdonough's back on tv and he's picking up with his bloodline or not uh, bloodline judgment day storyline that it was reported just a few weeks ago was going to be on hold for a while. So now all of a sudden that's back into play. Um, Indy Hartwell and Candice LeRae were back on television last night, albeit in a supportive role, but still on television and mixing it up with Rhea Ripley. So I'll can, I'll take that as a, as a positive sign. Shayna Baszler uh, looks like she's going to be getting a renewed push here. Zoe Stark had a good showing last night, by the way, loved her promo. She's getting more comfortable on television and, and you can tell she's getting more comfortable with the mic in the hand showing uh, her, her personality, which I think she does have a great personality. I've talked to her multiple times now in the last few months. I enjoyed that as well. We had new people step up into bigger roles. It looks like Chad Gable is finally going to get his singles push. It looks like Shinsuke Nakamura is back in the world title picture. We actually had like, baby faces interacting with each other and they weren't just best friends because oh we're all good guys no there was actual nuanced storytelling between cody rhodes seth rollins and Sami Zayn last night and then you mix in shinsuke nakamura and i'm just watching this and i'm enjoying it i'm going okay yeah reset we're doing some we're doing some fun and interesting things here we're doing different things and then i see russell pierce talking about how all of this is very coincidental sp3 in the fact that this is suddenly happening now here with Vince McMahon on leave because of his spinal surgery and whatever creative pull that he had or duties that he had now falling back into Triple H's hand here uh, a little bit. And now all of a sudden, Sean Rossap is putting out match orders again because he feels comfortable enough that those aren't going to be getting changed. 
We're getting new people on the show. We're getting new people pushed. A um, couple of rematches here or there, but it's only been a couple of weeks at this point, right? And you got people who are in storylines with each other. Um, SB3, do you think it's it's fair to say we now kind of have a clear indication just how deep into the weeds that Vince McMahon was here now that he has stepped away and all of a sudden we're getting new faces and uh, renewed pushes and, and things seem to be moving in a different direction or at least a similar direction as they were a few weeks ago before started getting more reports that he was getting more heavily involved here. I don't think we can ever know or see uh, how involved Vince McMahon was in creative. It's a clear indication of who is the people that Triple H likes that Vince McMahon <laughs> doesn't like. That was what we got a clear indication of. Soon as I saw uh, Candice LeRae in that backstage segment with uh, Raquel Rodriguez, I was like, oh, that's a side Vince ain't here. He's here. And then, so then you get if Finn Balor talking to JD McDonough. I was like, JD's back. Oh, okay, oh. cool. Vince's not mm -hmm. here. All right, cool. He knew Vince was watching SummerSlam. That's why JD got eliminated first. <laughs> but he's back on. He's actually doing stuff. So, yeah. And 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 it's also it's also a clear sign. I think that too many people kind of want to just point out the the good the 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 good part of oh when it's clear that Vince McMahon is gone and Triple H is in charge. Yeah, there there is some there's some good to that. There's also some bad of like why is LA Knight on on Raw? Like he just he just doesn't care. He doesn't care anymore. He just doesn't care. He just like he's like I'm just gonna put everybody who can. Vince made me cut that promo where I said that the draft was gonna be a game changer. I'm just putting whoever I want. We're not even gonna have commentary address it. I want Michael Cole on both shows. Like yeah, like Triple H is just like all right. I'm gonna put my day on the table now that Dad's not here. Uh, Caden Lee saying not a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> Vince McMahon had surgery and suddenly Candace Indy and NJD are, are back on television. I knew at some point you were going to bring up LA Knight being on Monday Night Raw. And I know, look, there's reasons why I, I just chose to say whatever, F it, screw it. Maybe they move him over to Monday Night Raw now. I don't know. Or maybe they just want to utilize their most over guy right now. I don't know. I, I'm willing to 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 let it slide here. Uh, Stephen Chambers asking, do you guys see Nakamura beating Seth or do you see Seth uh, retaining? Uh, and, and look, if Seth was going to drop the title anytime soon, Finn Balor was the guy. So I feel like Seth is going to be holding on to that belt. Um, he's going to be holding on to that belt uh, for a while. Uh, Jonathan Hearn saying, yeah, after Seth and Finn match, uh, crowd was dead. Uh, the crowd for Ronda and Shayna match was dead as a doorknob. They had no interest in the match. I will say the only time that the, the crowd being there live, the only time the crowd lacked interest uh, was the Ronda and, and Shayna match. They were invested in the women's title match. They loved the cash in. They were invested in the main event. They just, we're conserving their energy for for the big moments. At least that was the feel that I got being inside of the arena. Watching it at home, I did not get that interest. I saw people on their phones and stuff uh, on the floor. Like, yeah, it did seem like they were conserving their energy for uh, Roman and Jay, but they were also just they just like disconnected from what was going on in the ring until Bianca did the spot where uh, she did the 450. Interesting note here, SP3, that came out prior to the show, which made me really pay attention during that women's title match because considering who was the champion at the time, uh, but PW Insider is reporting that Kyrie Sane, and this, this is the interesting wording here, has come to terms on a return to WWE. She does have a few um, dates in Japan that she has to um, do first, but I believe it did. I see earlier today that she has announced that uh, kind of like a hiatus. She's stepping away after, after September or in September at some point. Is that what the, the latest is on, on Kyrie and her other obligations? She said at the end of September, she was taking a, an, a hiatus from wrestling. And uh, I think it was, uh, Wrestling Observer kind of uh, added on to the report, confirming PW Insider's report and saying that she's not slated to return back officially until like November. Yeah, and that would, my guess be, 
well after the Endeavor deal is finally official because we have heard, oh, so-and-so is getting set to return. Remember those like, what was it, like a month ago? Carlito had signed with with WWE and was, uh, you know, going to be making his debut soon and and coming. I mean, mean, that happened like a month after the Puerto Rico show. He even confirmed he signed with WWE. Crickets. Haven't seen him on TV since. Um, They they were literally like Jay White was out there. Never got serious in conversation with him. Nobody is showing up on the main roster. Nobody's showing up on the main roster until this Endeavor deal is done. If they didn't sign Jay White, if they didn't make a serious push to bring in Jay White and other free agents, Mercedes, you know, Monet was out there on the market. Trinity was still out there on the market. Now, I know there's other issues there, obviously, but um, didn't make a serious push for for either of them. Yeah, this, this Endeavor deal is holding things up. Now, we may get a former AEW star debuting on NXT tonight, but that's NXT. We've we've seen Nick Aldis be brought in as a producer, Bobby Roode back as a producer. So they've made some minor moves, but it has been all year since we have had an outside talent debut. So I find I, I feel like we are not going to see Kyrie at least until that is done. So maybe, like you said, November uh at the earliest. And one person we are not going to see back until uh 2024 at the earliest SP3, according to Wrestling Observer, is Shocker, Brock Lesnar is not going to be coming back until 2024. Does that shock? Does that surprise you at all that we're not getting Brock Lesnar the rest of this year? Well, this sounds like a like a conflicting report. Uh, maybe that's on the new Wrestling Observer radio, because I know before that Dave had mentioned that he was advertised for fast lane, but no, it doesn't surprise me. And I think that's gonna change, honestly, because of the number of injuries. In WWE right now, you know, they did the whole angle with Sami Zayn, and then yeah, I believe that elbow it was, not look good. It was Wrestling Observer that uh followed up with that and said that it was an actual he has a serious uh a serious elbow injury, and that was just basically him taking off the tape. Taking off the tape was all of that that we <sighs> saw last night on on uh raw you got kevin owens out you got Liv morgan out mm-hmm. you got roman reigns injured uh man i i just pulled up the list the current injury list of wwe wrestlers all right i'm gonna start from the top again ladies and gentlemen this is the list roman reigns kevin owens big e randy orton sammy mm-hmm. Zayn, sonia deville Liv morgan bailey elton prince Dalton, uh, Dakota Kai, Sol Ruka, Braun Strowman, Shane McMahon, (laughs) Bray Wyatt, (laughs) Wendy Chu, Nikita Lyons, Robert Root, R-Truth, Ariana Grace, Amari Miller. So across all three brands. Yeah, that's... Raw, SmackDown, NXT. That is like two... That is 2016 <laughs> WrestleMania, the, the, the build up to WrestleMania 32 bad injury list for WWE. Yeah, there's some heavy hitters in there for sure. And there's some people that I kind of forgot about. Like you, you just naturally forget about them when they're out for so long. People keep talking about Randy Orton like he's coming back next week. And Fightful's like, the dude, w- he ain't anywhere close. Ain't anywhere close to coming back. He had spinal fusion surgery. That dude ain't coming back anytime soon. You want to know when he's coming back? Whenever Matt Riddle starts getting pushed. When Matt Riddle starts getting a serious push, that's when you know Randy Orton is going to start coming back sometime soon on on the horizon anyway. But, yeah, man, the injury bug is is real. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with the men's tag team titles because Kevin Owens, like, reports where he might have been able to work SummerSlam, but they wanted to give him a little bit of time to heal. And then you see Sami Zayn's elbow, and it's like, Jesus, how long, you know, until he's going to need to take some time there. I mean, they worked the attack last night, but he comes back at the end. So, man, good, good night. All right. Like this, both of the tag team divisions right now have some serious issues, uh, at least surrounding their champions. And we'll get to the, my goodness, the the, the Trinity Mercedes curse of the women's team titles coming up here uh, in the five count, which speaking of which. It's time to answer the five count on the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you guys so much again for tuning in to today's Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Make sure to leave us a thumbs up here. If all 30 people who are watching this live right now, which thank you very much for making this part of your day, if all of you give us that thumbs up, 
You have no idea how much that really helps us. Really, it does. Uh, it's just one little click. That's all it is. Just click, boop, thumbs up. We're good to go. Uh, and if you haven't yet, hit that subscribe button. That helps us out even more. Uh, really, really appreciate that. Uh, I will be dropping interviews with the Alpha Academy at some point. I believe this week. I'm going to try to drop it this week and then next week drop my conversation with Zoe Stark ahead of the Trish and uh, Becky uh, match on Raw. So uh, uh, Maxine Dupree was excellent, by the way. Chad Gable is a total pro, and Otis is is just an absolute beast, and you're going to want to see what he was wearing uh, for sure in this uh, interview. So make sure to subscribe to Believe in Pro Wrestling. Got a lot of cool stuff from SummerSlam weekend that's going to be coming out over the next few weeks. So SP3, we already talked about Roman Reigns. He's hurt, but unless it's a major, major injury, he's, got, he's not dropping the title. He will defend it again some point here in the near future. The question just is, SP3, Who's the next challenger, and when is that title defense going to be taking place? Because right now, there is not a clear next in line, at least in, in my opinion. At this point, might take some time to build somebody up while Roman is watching this civil war within the bloodline from a distance. Again, I feel like the main story on SmackDown these next several weeks and couple of months is going to be Jimmy, Jay, and Solo with Roman kind of laying in the weeds here a little bit. The question is, what's his next title program? When's it going to be, you think? You said it. It's Jimmy J and Solo. It's the bloodline endgame. <laughs> and I think that before this injury, that was going to be at Survivor Series, a four-way for the undisputed WWE uh, Universal Championship. Maybe you can do a, a triple threat at like if he was going to do Crown Jewel and then Survivor Series, you could have done the triple threat with Jay and Jimmy with Roman at the at Crown Jewel and then do the, the four way at Survivor Series. But now I think that's just going to push these plans back and it's just going to be once again, when is Roman going to defend the title or when is he going to lose the championship, whether it was sooner rather than later? But I saw it being at Survivor Series. Now I'm not so sure after this injury. So, my th again, unless he has a defense at Saudi Arabia, I didn't even think he was going to be defending it at Survivor Series. I thought he was going to be involved in some kind of a, a multi-man match involving the bloodline, whether it's you know the bloodline finally being reunited and they're going up against a, a, another team or, or some kind of angle. There's a lot of time. There's a lot of different things that they could do with the bloodline over the next several weeks to set up a, a multi-man match at Survivor Series. So I would not even put it past WWE, whether he was 100% healthy to do or not, for him not to have another title defense for the rest of the year, in all honesty. Which means I think there's a very real chance his next title defense comes at the Royal Rumble. Do you know who I think? is going to be challenging Roman Reigns for the WWE Universal Championship at the Royal Rumble? LA Knight! That might seriously be the next title defense. And that's why I was so excited to see LA in the spot that he was on Monday Night Raw last night, SP3, because, yes, he got the big win at... He got the, the Slim Jim sponsorship, and he won the Battle Royal, and the crowd went nuts. There were people chanting L.A. night throughout the downtown streets of New York from 10 a.m. when I got down there on, unsolicited, just yes and L.A. nights all damn day long. They know that they got a superstar here. They know he's white hot. It's his time. They're going to build him up for a major program heading into WrestleMania season next year. I would not be surprised, honestly, if that's that match. And the first step that they needed to do, SP3, was give him a story. Because he hasn't had one since Bray Wyatt. That promo exchange last night with The Miz was spectacular. When The Miz wants to turn it on, he can turn it on. LA Knight, even with his little bit of a fub, I loved his response to Miz asking him what he's done for the last 20 years. And him busting out saying, look, I ain't a kiss ass, all right? I'm, I'm a risk. I, I come as a flight hazard, all right? They, they didn't want to take a risk on me, but I'm still that undeniable. They know they cannot ignore me anymore. I loved that response last night. I didn't care that he was on Raw. I really didn't because he's over as hell and I want him on TV as much as possible. Like I said, we did have a couple of new uh, challengers step forward for the top titles on the red brand last night. Are you good 
with Shinsuke Nakamura appearing to cut in front of Cody Rhodes. They keep teasing Rollins and Rhodes at some point, SP3, but somebody just keeps cutting in line or somebody keeps pushing Rhodes out of line as he continues to drift further and further and further out away from the island of relevancy on that raft that he's sitting on ever since WrestleMania. But Shinsuke Nakamura looks like he's next in line for the World Heavyweight Championship, and Chad Gable we know will be the next challenger for Gunther. You good with both of those? Man, Cody keeps burying this World Heavyweight Championship. Why did uh, did I uh, did anyone believe he was going to be the next challenger? Because I sure didn't. As soon as, uh, as soon as Nakamura said he was going to replace Sammy and did that little smile, I was like, "Oh, he's turning tonight." Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Cool, cool, yeah. Good. I was like, I was like, cool. They'll turn tonight. You know, Seth was all worried about Cody being dressed in Cody, and he shouldn't trust Sinsuke. Perfect. That's a good yep. story to end the night on. Chad Gable, I like that they kind of gave him the audition, him taking Gunther to the limit, surviving the five minutes, and then fighting him for like 10 more minutes in a in a technical wrestling clinic. I think he deserved this opportunity, got the big win in his hometown. I'm totally fine with both of these new challengers. Yeah, and look, I, I'm I'm all about giving you know, at least if elevating somebody to a spot that they haven't been before, which Chad Gable has been around so often. And he's, has he ever even sniffed uh, a singles championship? Like, has he ever even sniffed a singles championship opportunity outside of maybe the 24 seven title? I'm sure he was involved in that at some point, right? Like um, the guy is too good at everything to be ignored for this long. And the fact that he's getting this opportunity is great. And one of the things that I talked to him about, so Obviously, I'm going to drop that interview this week, but um, yeah, man, he deserves this. I I, God, I want him to win so bad, but like, let's not do it until 32 days from now. Like, let's find a way uh, to have Gable get screwed out. I, in my opinion, Gunther versus somebody should be the main event at Payback, and they treat that as his last big hurdle that he has to clear to break Honky Tonk Man's record because Payback is like five days before he would break the record. Um, you can, you know, tease some big celebration for two weeks after that on Monday Night Raw. Um, and then after that, you can have Gable uh, knock him off for that. Nakamura, yes, absolutely, fine, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Nakamura, yes, um, because they keep pushing off Seth and Cody for some reason. I don't know. I mean, haven't both of these guys said they don't want to wrestle each other ever again, like actually in person, and they really don't like each other that much in real life, even though Seth you know, got him a birthday cake, so he's a good human being right a good locker room leader type guy but like these two don't see eye to eye which is why i'm glad they weren't so chummy last night on monday night raw keep that sense of real life together here somehow some way cody's finding his way back to roman reigns by wrestlemania 40 i'm pretty sure of it at this point um so yeah give me nakamura back in the world title picture that's fine one of the uh best moments of the weekend here sp3 in my opinion even though we talked about it last week on the show, how neither one of us thought that it was the right time to do it, that they should have elongated EO's time with the briefcase. In the moment, it was still, in my opinion, the best spot of the weekend with EO running down, cashing in on Bianca Belair. And honestly, for a lot of reasons, didn't hit me until after I asked damage control about the win afterwards. And the fact that it was a year to the day, uh, same event that Damage Control had debuted. EO comes down. They are finally able to steal the championship away from Bianca Belair, who they could not pry it out of her cold, dead hands if they wanted to uh, during this whole first year and her you know, monster run with that championship. So beating Bianca for it added a little bit onto it, even though I was kind of mad that, that Asuka lost the title in the first damn place, right? But um, just kind of made her reign feel... Less than what it should have been once again, right? So, but EO walks away with the title. Dakota, such a great surprise coming in there. And a year later, a year of this group sucks. They're not working together. They're, they're constantly losing. WWE doesn't believe in them. And then a year anniversary of their debut. There's the three of them hugging one another, holding the WWE Women's Championship. Damage Control finally wins the big one. I loved this moment so much that even the trepidation I had about her cashing in this weekend, it kind of melted away in that moment. And I like the fact that they're giving EO uh, the, the shot to run here and giving damage control some a new lease on life. I just hope they've learned from their mistakes that they made the last two years with Liv Morgan and Nikki Cross, and we get a strong EO Sky uh, out of the gate. But what did you think about the decision for her to cash in? 
I never had an issue with that happening at SummerSlam. I actually been predicting it from the beginning. I was like, I was like, one of the cash ins had to happen at SummerSlam, and EO Sky was the one that made sense. Uh, the whole part with Oscar being Oscar uh, being beaten by Bianca Belair, I didn't call all of that, but uh, it does make sense with the whole story being told of the of the uh, you know full circle moment for Damage Control being in the center of the ring with the World Championship after beating Bianca Belair, the woman they confronted one year earlier. So it made perfect sense to do it in that fashion. It gave us a great moment, and it gave us really honestly outside of like Brock Lesnar shaking Cody's hand, that was the only like really memorable SummerSlam moment out of the night that was positive that had nothing but positivity toward it it was that in the Brock Lesnar one there was a shocking moment in the main event but not a lot of positivity as far as the feedback to that but as far as this one and the uh Brock and Cody moment it made a lot of sense and I think that EO deserves a great run yeah the, the the show needed it like I enjoyed it I thought it was a solid show but I'm sitting here I'm going this just feels like there's it's missing something special. And then immediately the next match, they give us something special in, in EO cashing in again. My really, my only complaint is, and I get the full circle of Bianca being the one that they pin, but coming out of this, it should have been Bianca Charlotte and then Oscar EO and Oscar damage control moving forward. And now you have Bianca mixed in with the title picture. And, but still the entire SmackDown women's division right now feels stacked like it, it all feels important they're all kind of mingling together the biggest stars that you have over there and now Kyrie same may be coming back here in the next few months our next few weeks that women's d- division on smackdown feels like a, a big deal at this point uh yeah, it has for the last last couple of months for real and yeah it just I think I think that the, that was like the it was the right move for the for the moment that they yeah. wanted to create but yeah. Other than that, I think that 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 was the moment that this show really needed with EO winning. What uh, WWE did not need was yet another women's tag team getting hurt, let alone the team that they just put the tag team titles on SP3 that were supposed to bring stability to the women's tag team title picture. And yesterday, the news broken by TMZ that Sonya Deville suffered an ACL tear in their first match with Bianca and Charlotte uh, on SmackDown two weeks ago. And last night, we have no idea what WWE is going to do, probably because they have no idea what they're going to do. They just mentioned Sonya's injury and said they got to figure out what they need to do. Are these tag team titles cursed SP3? And secondly, what should WWE do after Sonya's injury? Throw the whole titles away. That's what they should do. And yes, the titles are cursed, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, it. I heard Sean Rossap talking about this this week. It does feel like the curse of Trinity and Mercedes Monet at this point. Like it just feels like nothing that they're going to do is going to work out in their favor. But what they should do is honestly move forward with Chelsea as like the lone tag team champion and have her go through an audition process. Have her be like, like she's shopping, like she's on Amazon or, or whatever it is, shopping for a new tag team partner and constantly put her in non-title matches with new tag team partners that she gets fed up with halfway through and abandons. You can do it with Tegan Knox. You could do it with a bunch of different women that we haven't been seeing on television at this point. Hell, you can bring in enhancement talent. You can bring in unsigned people for a week. You could have a lot of fun with Chelsea Green and still find a way to elevate those tag team titles just by letting Chelsea do what she does best. And even if that's not the direction they go in SP3, if there's one person who's got a ton of ideas on how they should move forward, Chelsea Green is the one who's going to do it. I don't think you should take the title away from Chelsea and just do a tournament. That just seems like the lazy option. I'd like to see something a little bit more creative here. And last but not least, SP3, ahead of the week, news broke by Variety. And we saw it last night in action. A commentary shakeup. Michael Cole is now going to be on both shows. He and Wade Barrett on Raw. And then the three-man booth on SmackDown with Michael Cole, Kevin Patrick, and Corey Graves. Your thoughts on the commentary shakeup here real quick before we wrap up. 
Thank you, WWE. I was sick of listening to three hours of Kevin Patrick struggle to do to hold down the fort as the lead play-by-play guy on this show. This will allow Corey Graves to be in his natural position of color commentator and not color commentator slash pay-by-pay guy. Michael Cole has been having an all-time run since Triple H has come into power and having that freedom on his commentary. He's the face of the company company when it comes to commentary. This is just further establishing and hammering it home. Congratulations to Michael Cole. And it's gonna get it's gonna make Kevin Patrick better working with Cole on SmackDown. So we'll see how they do on their first run at it. But Wade Barrett being on Raw was a thumbs up enjoyed him so much more than Corey Graves. Yeah. Uh, look, I like Wade Barrett and I, and I like Corey Graves a hell of a lot more than you do, but man, I miss Pat McAfee on commentary and I would love Pat McAfee to be able to come back and do some commentary uh, at some point. And I just look at this and I'm going, okay, did, did anything get upgraded here? Yes. Monday night raw got the upgrade because Michael Cole is obviously, you know, the goat right at this point, but, That's the less watched show. So now you have put Kevin Patrick and Corey Graves and a three-man booth over on SmackDown. I I get the idea of you want Michael Cole to be working with Kevin Patrick to make him, you know, to kind of get him out of his shell a little bit, give him a little bit more experience, help coach him up and move him forward. Here's what I envision, though. I envision a lot of Kevin Patrick taking that third seat. And how much does he really, is he going to really get to talk? How many reps is he really going to get? in that third seat situation. I feel like this is going to be a a commentary that Cole and Graves is going to dominate. I can't sit here and help, but wonder if maybe the move to make would have been to give Kevin Patrick his reps in NXT and give Vic Joseph another shot as a head commentator on raw or SmackDown. I, I, I don't know. Vic Joseph has been really good in NXT. And I think he has earned another shot. Heck, even him and Booker T as a, as a, tandem is a combo that i like way more than i thought i would so i don't know what he has to to do to get another opportunity but vic joseph has gotten a lot better kevin patrick needs more reps i don't know how much of that he's going to get on smackdown unfortunately wwe just likes to fit people into their molds all vic joseph is is todd uh todd phillips or tom phillips or uh tom hannafin Tom Hannafin was a workhorse that was on every single show WWE had at one point, and they just let him go. They they feel like those guys that can work on any show and you just fill them in different spots, and Vic has done that on the main roster. They don't, they don't, you know, congratulate you and make you feel fulfilled. They just use you until they don't have a use for you anymore, it seems like. And that's why I kind of unfortunately see Vic going down the same road that Tom Hannafin does. And maybe he'll land in a great spot like Tom has. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I'm hoping this works out for Kevin because I, I think like Kevin is so good at doing MLS commentary. Like he's really good, but he's in his element there. He's in his comfort zone. Yeah. I think he just needs more time to grow in the business of professional wrestling and hopefully uh this will work out in the end sb3 himself over there and he's trying yeah. to be the irish michael cole here yeah so he's just he's got to find his comfort zone he's got to find what works for him and hopefully michael cole can help bring that out of him over on smackdown we'll see how things go uh this friday sp3 what you got going on a true heel heat this week uh check out the true heel heat youtube channel that's t-r-u no e i uh, heel heat uh, we have right now on the channel our SummerSlam 2023 review as well as collision review from this past week uh, we also got uh, coming up this week our AEW Dynamite reviews our watch alongs we got the True Hill Heat flagship podcast check out last week's episode True Hill Heat 237 with special guests Dutch Mantel and Cam Hawkins two of the, the probably the most polar opposite guests that we've ever had so enjoy I uh, didn't even notice this. Uh, I haven't checked out Sour Graps, but uh, Alex uh, Palowski did the same thing that I said. Chelsea auditioning women to be her tag team partner and defend the tag team titles. I say do them in, in non-title matches just so she can continue to lose but still hang on to the tag team titles. And then whichever team she actually like wins a match with, you know, there, okay, now you're the tag team champion and you can move forward. I think that that's a, that's a really good idea. It's a creative idea. 
we'll see if WWE actually decides to do that. Uh, again, make sure to subscribe here to, to Believe in Pro Wrestling. My conversation with the Alpha Academy is going to drop later this week. SB3 and I will be back next week around 2 o'clock-ish, depending on when I can get out of my day job. Until then, enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy wrestling, and we'll talk to you down the line. Take care, everybody. This has been the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast, brought to you by Bet Online. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.